Hello there. You're listening to the Watson's Weekly Roundup podcast with me, Peter Watson. This is for the week commencing Monday the 17th of May. I'm joined this week by Duncan Balcon, who is a Watson's Daily ambassador. Hi there, Duncan. How are you doing today? Hi there, Peter. I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Um, brilliant. All good. Um, Friday, all good. Um, so anyway, what an eventful week that was, especially if your name was Elon Musk. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's had, he's, had, he's had a bit of a mad one, hasn't he, really? He has, he has indeed. I think he's, uh, he's earned, uh, you know, the right for possibly a GNT. And uh, you know, um, you know, for for the end of the week. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, right. So anyway, um, I'm just going to go through, as always, um, some of the pick out some of the um, uh, bits of this week. Um, and uh, so we're going to talk about uh, macro stuff. We're going to, funnily enough, talk about Bitcoin. Uh, <laughs> also talk about um, travel and uh, all all sorts of stuff. Um, so anyway, um, I guess we'll start with the macro stuff as usual. Um, so. It was very interesting to see about China this week that it seems that growth rate seems to be losing momentum. So their National Bureau of Statistics, which I guess is their equivalent of the Office for National Statistics. Um, so uh, China's uh, National Bureau of Statistics, they published some data that shows that manufacturing growth is actually slowing. Um, and they also said um, that retail sales figures were also underwhelming so um this is particularly concerning because china was the first one to go under lockdown it was the first one to come out of lockdown and actually you know since probably i guess the last quarter or so um of last year um that they've actually done incredibly well and um it's you know every everyone's been looking at china thinking this may hopefully the same we're going to get the same uplift mm. um now the so that's why the, that's why maybe china slowing down is a little bit of a, a downer um for other countries but it's too early obviously we don't know if this is a, a blip or a trend um hopefully things will pick up uh, actually and while we're in the region um japan their economic output uh, for the first quarter fell uh because they are now in a state of emergency um, and that is totally um, scuppered consumer spending. Although I must say they um, say state of emergency. But, you know, I, I, I've, I've looked. Um, this sounds weird, but I do watch videos um, about, you know, in Japan because I used to live there. And um, sometimes I find watching these things quite calming. They will have people walking through the streets of Tokyo with a camera. So you've got a it's a point of view thing. Um, and I tell you, you you look at videos from this year last year um you would not know that coronavirus is there it's just full of people loads <laughs> and loads of people and you think and the only difference is everyone's wearing a mask but in japan you know it, the, especially in the winter and stuff a lot of people wear masks because it is the custom in terms of if you've got a cold or a cough everyone you just stick a mask on and people don't assume that you're a, you're a bank robber um so it's just a you know it's a cultural thing but it is very weird that japan has been um seemed to be very much out of this uh but, yeah. um, but anyway but anyway it has affected um the the uh um the uh, uh the economy hmm. um, with the with the, uh, with the china thing are you, are you thinking that it is a kind of 
obviously the, the figures are down, but is that because they're doing worse or because um, they had such a good start to the year? So comparatively, it doesn't look as good. Uh, interesting question. I mean, I from from my my own perception at the moment is it's just slowing down. It's not. Yeah. You know, I su- I suppose that the, those huge growth rates are quite easy to get, especially on a year on year comparison. Mm. Um, but um, but yeah, it it the, the, it might be a bit of both. I suppose it might yeah. be a bit of both. Yeah. Um, but anyway, there's other uh, in terms of other macro stuff. There's there's debate raging on both sides of, of the Atlantic um, in terms of inflation. Uh, because there's loads of data coming out that's positive both in 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 the US, uh, in the in the UK, um, especially, uh, and it would seem so in in the US, for instance, you've got um, so yesterday I think it was yesterday we saw jobless claims were at their lowest level versus pre-pandemic, so that's really that's really good. Um, you've also there were also little stories about things like. Um, hotels in America finding it very difficult to find staff and actually having to turn customers away because they didn't have enough staff to cater to them. What um, a mad position that is to be, and particularly is. with everything going on in the world, to have oh, not enough staff oh, is, is a crazy position. Yeah, it must be maddening, must not it? If you own a hotel and think, oh my god, we do, you know, we need all these people. We can't. We've got to turn them away. But that is what that you know that is what's happening. Um, uh, uh, and over. Uh, over here you've got um you know jobs uh there's there's loads you know there's, there was a cipd um uh, report talking about recruitment um, going up across the board um it's just it's just amazing i think mm. um that all these things you know are going on and yet um you've oh and also in the uk of course um, you've also got um, uh, house prices going up. You've got the assistant governor of the Bank of England saying that they might continue to go up, even though you've got um, the end of stamp duty coming, uh, the end of stamp duty holiday and the end of furlough coming up. You know, all these things, they're all adding up. And yet the the Fed, um, the Bank of England and now the ECB, they are all sticking to their guns. They are all saying it's all a blip. It's going to calm down, and we will not need to raise interest rates. And so, how, how long can you argue it's a blip for? Would be my question on that. Because for me, a blip should be kind of a, a short period of time, and it mm. and it changes back. But at the moment, this seems to be consistent. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not sure they can go much longer before they have to go. Uh, yeah, maybe it is a trend yeah. rather than just a blip. Yeah, and you know, and then and then you also. I totally agree with that uh, because also you had this week you had the um, uh, the UK rate of inflation was announced and it doubled from last month. It went from 0.7% to 1.5%. Nah, it's just a blip. <laughs> yeah. And, and the thing is, though, is that um, 2% is the uh, is the point at which central bank is that that's the magic number mm. where the um, central banks decide that they need to at least start talking. Um, about putting interest rates up and i'd say you know it, it's definitely i mean what well, would be interesting i would have thought it's going to go up again uh, next month because even more stuff is going to be opening so i you know it's it's interesting they say that they're monitoring the situation but i i really think that uh, us and or uk are going to be putting up interest rates this year which is not the official stance but you know that's what i think mm. it just the momentum is is so strong um i think 
Okay. Uh, anyway, sorry, rant over. Um, so... That's right. It's, it's something actually. I think it was on a. I think it was on a weekly podcast, probably yeah. either two or four weeks ago, because that'll be the last time I did with you. Yeah. Where we were talking about this when it did still look like a blip, and we said, yeah. if it continues by the end of this year, the inter- interest rate's going to have to go up. Oh, yeah. uh, and and now, like I said, it's either two or four weeks later. We're still going. Well, it's, it, it clearly isn't a blip. I mean, yeah. they can keep batting it away as many times as they like. Yeah. But at some point, that interest rate is going to have to go up. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, but then, um, you know, there were other developments as well. Uh, so in terms of um, we had uh, uh, we, we had um, developments in, in the coronavirus. I mean, it was really sad um, to see about India. They're extending the ban of their uh, of their um, of vaccine exports. So that's the Syria, uh, Syria, the Serum Institute of India. Um, um, because obviously they need as many vaccines as, as they can get their hands on. Um, and that's in complete contrast to Denmark, which is opening up or has been is opening up today. Um, and pretty much um, all the restrictions have been lifted, apart from only nightclubs are now closed. Um, so that's, you know, that's uh, uh, that. What a what a massive contrast that is. But the other the other thing that I suppose uh, to finish on a positive note on the, on a section on vaccines, uh, GSK so GlaxoSmithKline. Interestingly, prior to um, the coronavirus outbreak, was the world's biggest vaccine maker by sales. I presume that the Serum Institute of India is the biggest vaccine maker by volume or something. But anyway, mm-hmm. GSK is by sales, um, and yet they haven't produced the vaccine. Um, I think that was something to do with some sort of dosing error um, um, early, early on, and which totally delayed everything. But anyway, they're working with Sanofi of France, uh, and it looks like their vaccine is actually doing quite well. It's going through quite well. And if all goes well, it will be okayed by the end of the year, which is great. Another, another vaccine to add to the arsenal, I think. Yeah, and particularly, like you say, because with the production power that GSK bring to the table, that is really good news, isn't it? Because yeah. they said they are the biggest, biggest by volume. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, no, sorry, by, by sales, sorry. But yeah. they do produce a, a massive amount of volume as well. So, yeah, yeah that's re- really good news if they can get that yeah. sorted. Absolutely. <clears throat> um, and then, of course, we talk about Bitcoin. <laughs> what a week for Bitcoin. Um <laughs> So for, for once, at least we know why the values changed. Well, yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, it got clobbered at the beginning of the week because um, Elon Musk sent out a tweet which was interpreted as being him getting more lukewarm on it um, and even uh, worrying people to the extent that is Tesla going to sell the rest of its, um, uh, you know, one point five billion dollars worth of bitcoin minus 10 percent they already sold um you know are they going to sell that as well to the and and we got so bad that um uh, elon musk actually sent out another tweet saying we are going to keep it um so so you know so we're not going to sell anymore um but it was hit by other things though because it was hit by china the people's bank of china um, saying that they um, they will not, they reiterated their stance. They will not take um, uh, you know Bitcoin as as a as as a recognised payment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 
um, Joe Biden um, it stuck the boots in as well um, by announcing that they were going to um, uh, they, they were going to force people to uh, um, to declare um, transfers of over ten thousand um, dollars of Bitcoin, um, and that you know people are going to have to inform the IRS um about, about these about these transfers because they think that it's been used for tax avoidance i mean presumably people are going to sort of transfer nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars or something yeah multiple um, times like like the people have been known to do in the past with other transactions that have limits on them yeah yeah <laughs> but i mean even so um it does show that there's there's something going on here i mean i think that whatever you think about bitcoin whether it's good whether you know you agree with the with it the concepts the way that it's run etc the fact is is that regulators and governments could totally destroy it um <laughs> because they don't like it they they don't want it and um they i think they will only reluctantly doing something because they have to um so i i really think that um, I really think that they need uh, that the biggest risk for Bitcoin is that the um, everyone gangs up on them on the regulation front and then they could be toast. But if they're not toast, um, I think that a lot of smaller other cryptocurrencies will be toast mm. because they are not as well known. They are not as well recognized. And I think that that recognition and the acceptance by the mainstream is one of the main reasons why, um, uh, in my opinion, why Bitcoin has been so strong, um, you know, going from the bringing that momentum from the end of last year into this. Yeah. And there's going to get to that point, surely, where if, if regulatory bodies do get involved, they're probably not going to want to have hundreds of different cryptocurrencies. No, exactly. if, if, if they get to the point where they deem them a necessary evil. Mm. and want to regulate them they're probably going to be more inclined to put restrictions in place that mean there is there is one there is one reputable one and 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 that is the necessary evil that they're going to have to kind of regulate and deal with yeah and in that case the one would end up being bitcoin wouldn't it because the others are just not as well known they're not as widespread mm. the issue obviously being that at the moment bitcoin is just so horrendously bad for the environment and for all sorts mm. of other things mm. that they I think they're going to have to do or come a long way before mm. a lot of people would even consider using Bitcoin just because of that environmental impact. Yeah, which is like, I, another reason why I think that um, Elon Musk will probably stay true to his word and Tesla will not get rid of the rest of those Bitcoins they have because if his issue is um, the environmental impact, a lot of that comes from the tr each transaction mm. being like having a massive energy output. So by getting mm. rid of them, they would be going through. They, they would be making a some big transactions and would almost be kind of going against <laughs> going against their own like kind of ideals there wouldn't they if they, yeah. if they, if they flogged them off again um, yeah, but it'll be interesting to see what what he does going forward though i think because yeah he seems to be the one the one constant when bitcoin changes value it seems to be elon musk's tweeted or yeah. bought some or mentioned it in a press interview for yeah. half a second so yes yeah <laughs> yes exactly. i'm sure he just sits on his couch with like the screens in front of him and goes oh i'll sit the tweet and see what happens yeah yeah <laughs> just watching the values be, go up and down it, it must be fun actually it must be fun <laughs> i think that actually um when i when i was a broker i think one of the 
Um, one fun thing to watch, <laughs> this sounds sad actually now that I'm saying it out loud, um, was if you're w- watching, uh, let's say, the Fed, um, mm. you know, talking and they're, they're making their announcements. As they're talking, you can see markets just moving. And it's really amazing when you you've have that much sway over things and you're talking and as you're talking you can watch <laughs> the the market fall away or or rise or whatever it's really amazing but it's, anyway it's madness isn't it because then you then you look at the case of well what is something that's kind of responsible to say and at what point mm. does it become manipulation yeah um, yeah because we were talking about this briefly earlier elon musk is bright enough he can't play ignorant and say mm. he doesn't know that what he says massively affects the values of these things yeah there's bitcoin going down as a result of his tweet earlier in the week dogecoin's gone up as a result mm. of something elon musk tweeted a few days ago mm. he he knows that what he says has a massive impact on value of things and i think he needs to start being a little bit more careful in terms of mm. someone at some point Sit and go. You're manipulating this for your own your own good in some way. Yeah. Um, particularly if when once value of Bitcoin, for example, drops, if yeah, Tesla suddenly exactly. buy a load more of it, yeah, then he, then he needs to be careful. Indeed. But we'll see. <laughs> yes. Oh, and the other thing to add to that as well, which I thought was very interesting, and I only just caught it was only a little bit of this Wall Street Journal article. It did mention about Ruffer, mm. which is an investment manager, a British investment manager. Um, Ruffer, <laughs> they'll be very smart at the moment. <laughs> yeah, they they bought um, five hundred and fifty million pounds worth of Bitcoin at the end of last year. I think it must have been around sixteen to eighteen thousand. Uh, and and they said uh, someone said from the company that they sold it all last month. So, when it was in the high fifties. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. Um, they will be absolutely loving all this. And they said that they sold it because um, they were increasingly concerned that it might be used for, you know, nefarious purposes and things, which, again, sounds like a load of rubbish to me as well, because they would and should have known that before. If you're going to make £550 million bet on cryptocurrency, you're you're gonna have done your uh, you're gonna have done your due diligence. That's you'd hope sure. you'd hope, wouldn't you? But I mean, oh, yeah. either way, at the time they got out, they're, they're looking at at least tripling the value of what they bought in for. So yeah. they they will be seeing very smug somewhere. Yes, <laughs> yes, and uh, yeah, getting to, getting over to that Lambo garage. Oh, absolutely. Um, and uh, anyway, yeah. So the other thing, um, I want to, one of the other things I want to talk about was travel. Um, it's very interesting. Um, obviously, this is something that will be very closely followed because the travel industry has been absolutely decimated over the last year. Um, so the EU is considering accepting vaccinated people, um, which which sounds great. Um, but really, there is a massive travel boom going on in, in the US at the moment. Um, that's probably driven by a number of things. One is the successful vaccine rollout. Um, and then I think the other thing is is that, um, well, people want to travel, but they're traveling domestically. Now, the thing is, is I'm sure I've said this before, but your average American um, gets 10, only 10 days holiday per year allocation. Um, and so the, the, the difficulty there is that, um, you know, if you're American, you've got 10 days holiday, you think, right, want to go away. Are you going to go to Europe? Um, where there is always the possibility that if there's a new variant, you might have to quarantine, you might have to spend some of your valuable 10 days quarantining, or do you stick with a good old US of A, 
And, um, you know, because, I mean, it's a massive country. There's divert, you know, you've got mountains and beaches and you've got you've got everything there. So Mm. actually, you can understand why people would be traveling there. And actually, apparently ticket prices and things are already at pre-pandemic levels. So people are definitely getting involved. And it does seem that I've seen various reports, not just, you know, for the US and things, but a lot more people are actually really splashing out and going to five star places and things well that well that's the thing isn't it if you've got if you've got a budget which for quite a lot of families actually post pandemic is slightly higher because a lot of people have made savings hmm. do you spend it on is it going abroad risking the quarantine on the way hmm. back or hmm. do you spend it on going more luxurious slightly closer to home yeah and i mean there's been a lot i've seen a lot of kind of rhetoric around from from american companies about investing back in your own country and be proud to yeah support american and that sort of thing and that's the exactly. sort of kind of propaganda they really get behind as well well hey as as trump said you know you've got to make america great again right? I exactly mean, they are very well known <laughs> as a country for being patriotic so if, yeah. if a, lot, if a, lot, a lot of people are saying them well invest back in american businesses because yeah, that's going to help so. us bounce back quicker exactly. they'll do it without even thinking about it absolutely so uh, yeah i mean definitely so i i can definitely see that the boom i can understand the boom over there mm. i i'm not so convinced about a boom a similar boom in the in the eu because vaccination is all over the place uh, in the eu yes it's getting better but it's still all over the place also there's always risk of of um getting a new variant or something so um that's just i just think it's very very difficult um so anyway but it is interesting um and and actually talking continuing on on the subject of travel and and air travel <clears throat> in particular you know Ryanair had a bit of a mixed week this week it announced um massive losses last year for obvious reasons um but it also won a court case uh because um chief exec Mike O'Leary, Michael O'Leary he is um, complaining that a lot of governments have been subsidizing their flag carriers um and unfairly and basically putting them at an advantage versus Ryanair, which doesn't get anything. I suspect that his arguments for this kind of thing are going to be fairly similar to um, Richard Branson and, and, and Virgin. But um, but anyway, yes, so they, they won there against um, KLM of the Netherlands and TAP of Portugal. But the, this thing is going to drag on. It's just dragging through the courts and stuff. So I don't know whether we'll ever really get much you know to the end of that one but yeah, who knows uh, but, it, but it is a win for them and like you say he yeah. will be going down the well this is anti-competitive isn't it exactly just, and just he w- helping out your flag carrier is anti-competitive yeah. by its very nature and you know i don't think it's going to disappear because michael o'leary is extremely feisty <laughs> isn't he, he, just? Not, he won't forget this so <laughs> he is he is not going to let go no. um so yeah, so that's quite interesting. And then moving on to rail rail travel, mm. um, Eurostar got rescued this week by shareholders and banks. Um, it's fifty five percent owned by France's SNCF, um, and also uh, the you know the, there are other uh, investors in it as well. Um, apparently, the French tried to get the Brits to um, contribute to uh, to it, but given <laughs> that the Brits sold out uh, in twenty fifteen. Um, of this venture, they said, "Sorry, not our problem. You know, uh, yours. Yeah, you and, you uh, brought this problem off of us. You deal with yeah, it." Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, um, but you know, for fans of um, fans of people liking to travel through 
tunnels. Um, you know, it's good news that Eurostar is still going. Actually, I quite like Eurostar. Um, I think it's quite fun, uh, fun thing. Um, but you know, I just like I've... that people that like traveling through tunnels. That's <laughs> properly tickled me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's like other people. You know, other people prefer traveling. You know, as flying through the air in steel tubes, don't they? So, That's true. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. But anyway, no, I do think that. Um, uh, maybe I do wonder whether rail travel will do better than air travel in in Europe because maybe people will feel a bit more comfortable with traveling in a train than they do in a uh, in an airplane perhaps yes. um, I mean I know that's slightly tenuous really but I do wonder whether they might be slightly more willing to do it but again it does depend on the, all the quarantining the vaccines the variants and all the rest of it yeah i mean so. there's a lot more opportunity for domestic rail travel as well and there is domestic plane yeah. travel in the yeah. even if you just go to the uk or the eu and europe as a whole yeah because obviously the states is so big and yeah. all the individual states are kind of on the same page yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Whereas, obviously, you take the same kind of shape and size of area in Europe and you go, well, mm. are all the countries in that area on the same page? Not even slightly. No. Um, no. Nobody can get on with each other. Nobody knows whose fault this is. Some people are no. happy with some vaccines, some don't want it. You have to imagine that actually any variety of domestic kind of intrastate transport will do better. So I'd imagine kind of the rail networks in the UK, for example, there'll be a lot of people that want to kind of travel a bit more, but probably want to stay yeah. in the UK. Yeah. You're, you're probably not going to fly anywhere within the UK. No. If it's over a long distance, you might, you might jump on the train. Yeah, no, exactly. Unless you're exactly. flying to Scotland. I mean, you might fly to Scotland, I suppose. That's probably one of the... From where yeah. I am, flying to Scotland will make more sense than any yeah. other form of transport. Although, although actually, as a quick aside, um, I did once do a... So I used to go, I used to go to fly to Edinburgh all the time mm. and um, for work. And but there was one time when we had meetings in uh, in 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 Yorkshire um, at one point, and then I thought, well, it's, obviously we need to go there, and then we might as well get the train um, to uh, to Edinburgh. And we went through. Have you ever been to Berwick? Been through Berwick place? It's uh, right briefly, on the border. Trade, yeah, briefly. right on. Yeah, right on the border. What? It, that was an amazing train journey. Now I'm not. I'm not a. Tra- By the way, I am not a train spotter. Just, just so you know. <laughs> um, but it was an amazing journey. Anyway, uh, get, get, get that leads us on to the next, <laughs> next uh, seamlessly to um, the story about train line. Now um, I did say last week that I thought the train line was um, potentially a bit of a dark horse in that it could do quite well because I think that more commuters are going to come back than everyone's expecting. But also, I think that they are just uniquely set up because the fact that they you can get all your you can get your tickets you, you know everyone's going to want to go contactless and they're used to going contactless now, um, so it's well set up. It's a good app, um, and so it should be quite interesting. Um, but there was news this week of of the massive overhaul by uh, of of the UK railway network, um, and there there was talk that the uh, the, the, there's going to be a new body created called Great British Railways. It's going to have its own app, which will take all of those operators and put all their stuff on their app. Now, um, Trainline, I think it absolutely the share price cratered on the back of that news. So they thought, oh my god, that's it. But I think actually it should bounce back because um, there's a lot of time between now and a time when the government will get its 
you know, get its act together, <laughs> get something together and make an app because as we, we, we know, all know how well the government are, how, how well they do at building apps. <laughs> oh, absolutely. They're brilliant. I, you know, I, I, we, I'm, I'm sure the NHS can't, can't speak highly enough um, of, of their, of their apps. So, I mean, I think that, um, yeah, I do think that actually there's a lot of ground to be made by Trainline in the meantime, and they are, you know, they are good. So I'm sure that they'll think of something as a way to actually, um, you know, insulate themselves against this. And I also think as well, I don't think it's fair. You can't just have what, you know, Great British Railways taking, taking the taking everything because then there's no competition. So I do think that they will be thrown a bone or two um, and they will have to, you know, they'll have to do they'll. I don't think they'll lose that much out of it, in my opinion. I think that actually, you know, they could do quite well. And even even so, even if they, this app does eventually see the light of day, there's going to be a lot of time between now and that point, I think. Yeah, and particularly if they can build kind of a similar functionality into their app, a lot of people already have their app. So if you've got a yeah. choice of using the same app you've used and know and trust for the last few years or downloading a new one that, yeah, as we just touched upon, is built by the government in the same way that the horrendous track and trace app was that didn't work yeah. properly for months yeah. you're probably going to trust the one that you've used for years and years and years yeah and why have two apps when you can have one so exactly. I, I agree with you I, I think there's there's definitely some some scope for the train line to bounce back out of this mm. and, and like i said if there is that kind of almost monopolist behavior from great mm. british railways where it's called you're looking at the same sort of thing michael o'leary is arguing whereas mm. that's just not competitive that's anti-competitive like, yeah. you, you can't just take over a whole industry with one app like that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah you might end up with the kind of them using that as precedent in a court case if that is the way it goes. But exactly. Hopefully it won't come to that because I, I agree with you. I think Trainline will bounce back um, yeah. from, from this. Yeah. So, no, that's all good. That's all good. I mean, the only other thing I was really going to touch on really this week was the fact that we've had some quite interesting um uh, merger and acquisition mm. uh, action. So we've got AT and T with Discovery creating a streaming giants. You've got Amazon thinking of buying MGM, and you've got in in uh, in Asia you've got Gojek and uh, Tokopedia teaming up as well. So two massive apps to create a like a super app, um, which is the thing to do in Asia at the moment. Mm. But you know it just goes to show it just keep it's. It's ticking along quite, you know, M and A is ticking along quite nicely, um, and th- you know those are those are chunky deals. I mean, that Amazon thing is pretty amazing as well. You know, that whole that co- you know, conceptually, that's quite. I, you know, that I think it's pretty interesting. So, well, the, the both those first two you mentioned both kind of lead to this, like you say, this kind of absolutely monstrous streaming animal that can do, in theory, a huge amount of stuff. And mm. I find it interesting because I've seen so many kind of articles over the last six months or so saying, oh, the M&A bubble's burst. Oh, we're not going to see any more massive deals. And they just keep coming up. Oh, don't no, they? this, no, yeah, this loads. Enormous. And like you yeah. say, AT&T and Discovery, massive companies. Yeah. And like you say, I... Amazon and MGM, that, that is one to what I think that's going to be a fantastic mm. thing to watch develop that particular story. I must say, I do wonder whether this year is going to be like the biggest year for M&A and... Uh, and IPOs for quite some time mm. because it's just unusual circumstance. You've got lots of investor interest, there are lots of investors. You've got lots of different ways to finance that you might yeah. not have had before. Um, private equity have made an absolute killing. So 
that's the thing. It sort of begets more. The, it's this investment begets more because, you know, if they've done really well, then they want to plow that money that they've earned into into other things as well. We, and then they win, and it just multiplies and multiplies. So it's against a uh, snowball effect, don't you? Because you yeah. people do well, so they reinvest, which then makes yeah. that do well, which means they and it's. Yeah, I, I mean, it'd be a really. I know a lot of. I know a lot of your listeners are kind of law students or junior level lawyers. It'd be a fantastic time to be in a training contract right now, getting involved with all these deals. Oh yeah, um, well, doing... fantastic time from a, a job content point of view. Mm. Not sure about the hours or working hours. Although, although I'm sure that the you know wellness and and stuff is alive and well in in all of these firms. Yeah, but, true. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know. Um, Anyway, well, look, I, I think we've covered we've covered a lot there. Um, you know, we've we've travelled around the world, haven't we? We've we've, we've hopped and skipped uh, over over the Atlantic. We've uh, we've jogged o- jogged over to Asia. We've you know, it's 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 been a journey. Um, <laughs> Planes, trains, automobiles, or something. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah exactly. So anyway, um, well, I, I think we'll we'll just leave it there. And um, you know, thank you very much indeed, Duncan, um, for for being there and you know and uh and 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 uh yeah being yeah being great to talk to as always um and um you know thank you for the listeners um for supporting us please continue to support us and we will be back again soon awesome thanks for having me many thanks thanks bye bye